comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Palm Sunday is finally here, and I don't know about you, but I had a long, long Lent. First of all, I decided to give up Xbox gaming for Lent. And I decided to finish my dissertation. Two things that have made this a very long Lent for me. And that was me today. I can't even imagine what that period of Lent must have been like for Jesus and his disciples. As they knew that he had turned his gaze towards Jerusalem and was preparing himself to go there, and all signs indicated that it wasn't going to end well for him. You see, Lent is always a time that we think about as a time of reflection and introspection, a time when we're invited to consider our own sinfulness, to think about everything that Jesus did for us, that all that he went through to get to the point where he entered that holy city. And today we finally arrive at Bethage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is ready to enter the city. But in order to do that, he needed a good ride. And so the scripture tells us he grabbed two of his disciples to send them ahead into the village to find his ride. And I've always wondered who got assigned this job, who drew the short stick. Was it Peter because he was so forceful that he was going to get her done? Was it Judas because he handled the money and the property for the disciples a lot of times? Who was it that Jesus sent? I mean, did it matter which two it was? 
He picked two disciples and sent them to the village ahead of him. And he said, here are your instructions. You're going to go into the village. And when you get there, you're going to see this colt tied up. Go to it, untie it, and bring it back. And if anybody stops you and asks you, what are you doing? Why are you untying this colt? You're simply going to tell them the Lord needs it. Simple enough, right? Now you can imagine those two disciples going, okay, we're going to go do this, but who's going to bail us out? Who's going to get us out of trouble if this goes south? What's going to happen? I mean, so many times when God gives us instructions, we want to know everything about it. We want to know the whole plan. We want to know how things are going to work out. And God often does the same thing he did with the disciples. He gives us instructions and says, trust me. Trust me. Go do this. It's going to be okay. And the disciples went, and the scripture says that when they went into the village, they saw a colt tied exactly like Jesus told them. And so they looked at that colt, and they probably said to themselves, huh, I guess Jesus did know something about what was going to happen. Because here it is. And they began to untie that colt. And then somebody showed up to ask them why they were doing it. And they went, wait a second. That's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And then they remembered, oh yeah, he said if they came to ask us to tell them that the Lord needs it. There's a catch, though. You know who showed up to ask them about the cult, according to the scripture? The owners of the cult. It wasn't just some random stranger on the street. It wasn't a neighbor. It wasn't somebody else. It was the owners of that cult that came and said, hey, 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 why are you untying my cult? And the scripture says they, they told them, the Lord needs it. And apparently that was enough because they didn't get thrown in jail. The authorities weren't called. How do we know that? Because they made it back to Jesus with a cult. But have you ever wondered about those owners? Because if I'm going to let you borrow my new car, I'm coming with it. And so I am thinking that these owners said, okay, fine, but we're coming with you. We're following you to see what the Lord needs with our cult. We're going with you to make sure you give it back. And they must have gone with the disciples following them to go to Jesus. And can you imagine the conversation on the way? Owner, you do realize this cult has never been written, right? Disciples, yeah, we know, but that's what Jesus said. Cold that was tied. We're supposed to bring it back. Well, you know, this is not going to be easy because it, it's never had anything on its back. Again, we don't know how it's going to work out, but that's what Jesus said. We've learned that when Jesus says something, we just do it. We don't understand, but he always makes it work. Well, I just hope that you know we don't have any insurance on this cult. Something happens, we're not responsible. 
They finally got to Jesus with this cult, a cult that has never been written, a cult that has never had anything put on its back, no saddle, no leather, no strap, no anything on its back. And the scripture says that they laid their cloaks on this cult that has never been written, and Jesus gets on the cult and begins to move towards the city. Now, whenever we look at this story, we sometimes skip over that detail. But isn't that a miracle right there? That this cult didn't throw Jesus off? I mean, I'm sure there was a couple of those cynical disciples that were going, how much you want to bet it throws him off? And the scripture doesn't say that Jesus tried 10 times to get on the cult, and on the 11th time, he finally got it. It says that he got on that cult, and immediately the cult took him into the city. You have to assume that this cult was able to sense something about the man that was on its back. That there was something about this Jesus that conveyed to this cult the peace that he had to be steady and calm as it carried him into the city. Maybe the cult could sense that this was God. That this was the one through whom all things were created. That this was the one through whom all things were sustained. That this was the one that had been waited for for so long as the Messiah. And as he began to ride into the city, the scripture says that the people gathered on the road and began to take off their cloaks and began to cut off branches and throw them on the ground. And to begin, they began to form a path for Jesus to come down into Jerusalem. And when I think about that, I think about movie premieres. And how about the protagonist of the movie, the main character, the main actor, comes to the red carpet on the first showing of the movie. And you, we've all seen this on TV, right? There's people lined on both sides... And there's something keeping them from going in that red carpet. And then there's the main actor coming down the middle of that carpet, right? And everybody's taking pictures and screaming, Hey, I loved you in this other movie. And I loved you in this other movie. And, you know, can I get your autograph? And everybody's clamoring to see them. Can you imagine how it was like? As Jesus is riding this donkey on that path and people are going on each side of the road... Jesus, Jesus, I was there when you fed the 5,000. I was there when you, when you made that man to see. I was there when you healed that leper that nobody could have healed. The miracles you did, Jesus, I was there. People on each side of the road sharing that they were there for different things in Jesus' ministry and celebrating his entry into Jerusalem. It must have been quite a celebration. There has to have been so many people on that road because Jerusalem was already swelling with everybody coming over for Passover. And there was already a lot of people from all over the place that were flooding into the city. And you know that the word of mouth must have spread. Jesus is coming here. And everybody wanted to see him. And everybody wanted to be there. 
as he made his way down from the Mount of Olives through that path. And the multitude did their thing preparing the way. The scripture tells us that the disciples joyfully and with a loud voice declared the deeds of power they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. They declared the deeds that he had done. They began to say, here's Jesus, the one who fed the 5,000. Here's Jesus, the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. Here's Jesus, the one that you have heard about from your neighbor or your friend or your family member or your town folk. Here is Jesus, who is the king of peace. And you know, in the crowd, there's always a party pooper or two. The Pharisees did not like that they were screaming these things. And the scripture tells us that when they heard these things, they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, this is not right. Have your disciples be quiet, not be saying these things. This is bordering on blasphemy. For you see, if Jesus was truly the king, then that gave him lordship over all of them. If Jesus was truly king, then that meant that they had to follow him because he was the appointed one of God. If Jesus was truly king, it meant that the kingdom of God was at hand. And all of these things meant changes in the status quo. And the religious authorities weren't ready for that. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus said, I can't. If they would be silenced, the rocks would shout out. Jesus deserves our praise and our glory. How many times do we forget to give him the glory that he deserves? Sometimes even when we pray, we come to him with our long list of petitions and we forget to thank him for all the ones he's already answered. We come with our wants and our desires and we forget all that he's already done for us. And we forget that even if he didn't grant one more thing, he's already given us eternal life, which is more precious than anything else that we could acquire in life. Why shout out as Jesus comes into the city? Because Jesus has already done more for us than we could ever do for him. Because he has already done more in going into the city that will kill him than we could ever do for him. I've often said that most of us, knowing that Jerusalem would kill us, would run the other way as quickly as possible. And yet we find Jesus going into that city knowing full well that he goes there to give his life for us. So what are we to do with the story given that we know what's going to happen? For you see, it's called the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But even as we celebrate today the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem, we do so with heavy hearts. Because we know that Friday is coming. We know that he's going to be abandoned and betrayed. 
We know that he will suffer alone on the cross. And that even the ones that spent all that time with him as disciples will be scattered. So what are we to do with this story? How can it be triumphant? It's triumphant because when Jesus went into Jerusalem, he was declaring that death and sin were going to be defeated once and for all. It is triumphant because it means good news for you and for me. That Jesus was willing to give himself up on that cross. It is triumphant because before the week began, Jesus was already declaring victory. And you know, God doesn't have to fight a big fight to win. God just has to be God, which he is. Jesus goes into the city today in celebration with his disciples, shouting out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, much can be said about this story. You've heard it before. But what would happen if we looked at this story as a model for our own lives, as I was trying to share with the children what is Jesus asking us to untie in our lives so that we can be brought to him, so that he can use us as he used that colt to ride into the city? What do we need to be untied from so that we can be free to be obedient to his call on our lives? And are we willing to keep Jesus on our back? Or are we going to throw him off the minute he gets on it? to try to lead us in the way we should go. What is it that is tied up that needs to be loosened? Oftentimes when we read stories and we read them and we celebrate them and we remember them, we forget that these biblical stories are supposed to be stories in which we see ourselves that we are supposed to place ourselves in the story as well and see what the implications are for you and for me today in our current life. What is it that we need to declare today about what God has done in our lives so that others will know that Jesus is coming back? So that people will know that he didn't just do miracles 2,000 years ago, but that he still does them today. What is it that we need to tell others so that they can know that they're still in bondage to sin and they need to untie from that in order to follow Jesus? What do we need to untie in ourselves to make the way for the king? to enter into somebody else's life. For you see, the cult was a tool to bring Jesus into Jerusalem. And every day, God wants to use us to enter into people's lives and into their hearts. But so many times, we just throw him off our back because we got something else to do. We throw them off our back because it's not convenient right now because I got something scheduled. We throw them off our back because it might mean that we have to go away we don't want to go. We throw them off our back because it might mean that we have to declare 
that he is Lord of our lives. And that means that things have to change. What do you have to untie today to make way for the king? Whatever it is today, the altar is open for you to come lay it down. Everybody's got their palm branch today. And if you learned anything from the children's sermon is that we can lay things down all day long, but if you don't become untangled from it, untied from it, you'll just walk away and it'll come right with you. So today I'm not just inviting you to lay it down. I'm inviting you to, inviting you to lay it down and cut the ties to it. I'm inviting you to lay it down and say, Jesus, if this is too knotted up in my life and I need to let it go and I can't do it by myself, cut it yourself. Remove it yourself today. Because I don't want to leave here the same way I came in. I'm going to leave here committed to be a vehicle of your grace and of your love to somebody that doesn't yet know that you are the king and the Lord of peace. So as we do our final song for worship, we're going to invite you to have a time at the altar with your palm branch to bring it as a symbol of those things that you laid down before Jesus. To lay them down and then to have a prayer that God will help you to cut the ties to those things. To be free from them. Not to pick them back up. Not to continue to carry them with you when you're done praying and say amen. But to literally have Jesus untie the knot that has kept them with you. Let us continue worship, and if you would like to have a time of prayer by yourself, we're going to expand this uh, section for prayer by yourself on this whole side as you bring your palm branches. And if you would like to have somebody pray with you, you can come to this side, and somebody will come pray with you so that you can be freed from whatever it is that keeps you tied up. Let us worship.